A Sunday where the message comes not so much from the words we speak, but from the table that we gather around. And I've been thinking uh, some of these last few months, I've been studying uh, the, the letter Revelation, the book of Revelation. And I was thinking some about um, Revelation, the churches that, that John writes to in, in, that, in that book, that last book of the scriptures. And, and he's, there's kind of lots of things happening, but two things stand out to me this morning. And one of them is the fact that these churches were going through a trial. They were going through immense pressure from the culture around them. And because of that pressure, those churches were compromising, or some of them were compromising. They were joining in the, with the culture around them. And one of the things that was interesting for me, or has been, I've been studying some, is studying the books of, or the book of Revelation and these messages to these churches, is uh, a few times uh, there's mention of, of eating idol food. And um, realizing that in the first world, Eating idol food was a big problem. It was a big temptation. Um, and we have hardly any context for this. I mean, how, any sort of experience with eating idol. <clears throat> Has anybody here ever eaten idol food in a temple? No. <laughs> um, but in the first century, what, that was one of the ways that people would worship a god. Uh, especially in the Greek and the Roman Empire. They would, they would have temples to these gods and then they would sacrifice animals. And then they would take out the pieces that they didn't sacrifice and they would make a meal out of it. And then people would come to the temple almost like a restaurant and they would eat the food that had been sacrificed as a way to honor the God. And so there was tons of pressure for Christians in places like Pergamum and Thyatira, uh, Ephesus, Laodicea, Smyrna, uh, Philadelphia. These are cities in what is modern-day Turkey. And so they would have these temples and there was tons of pressure for Christians to come and join in to eat this food. And I've been thinking some as I've been reading Revelation, been reflecting on it over these last few months, uh, which is funny to say. I feel like Revelation is one of those books you need to be reflecting on over the last like two decades, <laughs> let alone two months. But um, this problem of idle food. And I started thinking about uh, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, which was written a few decades before the letter of Revelation, or the letters, uh, the letters of Revelation, the book of Revelation. And uh, Paul, writing to this church in Corinth, he writes these words. He writes, and if you'd like to, if you'd like to open up your, there's an insert in the bulletin, or if you want to open up your Bibles to chapter 10. Sorry, I should have said that earlier. There's an insert in the bulletin as well, if that's easier for you to look at. Paul says, Therefore, dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have part in both of the Lord's table and the table of demons. As we are, trying to, are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? <clears throat> and like I said, 
In the first century, there was lots of pressure to eat in these temples. Um, the culture around them, the problems if you didn't. And, and I, like I said, like, you know, by a show of hands, none of you have ever eaten in a temple or felt pressured to eat idol food in a temple. But I was thinking about it that we still today, there's culture around us that, that pressures us to take on other idols, to worship other idols. To worship idols like comfort, you know, that our lives stay comfortable and, and manageable. Idols of wealth, to have lots of stuff just for the sake of having lots of stuff or a big bank account. There's idols of power in our culture. There's idols of stuff. You know, how many toys can I accumulate? Um, and if I have all the toys that I can possibly get, how can I sell those and get better ones? There's tons of pressure around us. There's still idols. Idols are alive and well uh, in our culture today. And, you know, none of us really have to, to struggle to not eat idol food in a temple. But if you're anything like me, it's a constant struggle against the idol of wealth or power or stuff or comfort. I've been listening to uh, Jesus' words to the churches in Revelation. And it's been challenging me with the idols that we face. And I, that's one of the things that I love about the season of Lent is the way that God challenges us. And we read it today uh, in Revelation um, 3, 19 to 20, the memory verse. So God says that, or Jesus says that I rebuke those who I love. I discipline those who I love. So be earnest and repent. It's like a theme for the season of Lent, that God uh, convicts us because he loves us and urges us to be earnest in our faith and to repent, ask for his forgiveness and turn around and follow him faithfully again. <clears throat> and I think about this, what um, Paul was saying to the church in Corinth. He said, you cannot have the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in the Lord's table and the table of demons also. That's a pretty challenging word for us, that we can't both celebrate and worship Jesus and at the same time worship money or power or stuff or our comfort. We can't. We get one or the other. We only get one Lord, only one God. So that's the one thing I've been hearing as I've been studying this, this idea of idol food. But it's interesting to me as we gather together around the Lord's table and in the, the ancient view that sharing in the Lord's Supper wasn't just a meal to remember, but it was actually participation in the Lord. Listen to what Paul says again. He says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving, which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread we bake participation in the body of Christ? So these things that we eat, <clears throat> this bread and this cup of or this cup of juice, I know they help us to remember Jesus' sacrifice. And I know like in many churches, that's the main thing. These help us remember the sacrifice that Jesus has made. But these things that we eat, and I'm realizing this as I've been studying idol food and how um, eating food in the presence of a God connects you with the Lord, that this food brings us into fellowship with Jesus. And we talk about, I mean, for those of you who are keen to theological things, real presence, that when we eat this meal, Jesus is present in a particular way, in a special way that happens only around this meal. But I'm also realizing that as we eat this food, this bread and this cup, this body and blood, 
that we are sharing in community, in close fellowship with Jesus by eating this meal together. And so it's our sacred privilege 